This morning's reading is Psalm 88. O Lord, the God who saves me, day and night I cry out before you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of trouble and my life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. Selah. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, O Lord. Every day I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Selah. Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, O Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have been afflicted and close to death. I have suffered your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They've completely engulfed me. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kerry. I must start by apologising. Uh, some of you might have been expecting that we'd be carrying on our series in Matthew. Uh, well, not today. Uh, we're up to a, a tricky part of Matthew, and so Jay offered me the, the chance to uh, put it off for one week and, and do something else. Uh, and I took one look at it, and I, I jumped at that opportunity. So uh, we are in Psalm 88, uh, which is quite fitting, uh, given the gloominess of the weather around us. Now, before we look at it, let's ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for these words. May they be a blessing to us uh, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in life, people tend to love a happy ending. Whether it's in a movie or in a book or in the real world. People just love when things end well. Uh, And as Christians, we're no different. We also tend to enjoy a good ending. We love hearing the story of the rebel who turned their life around after coming to faith. Or hearing of the missionary who went overseas and shared the gospel and saw many people converted to Christianity. Or hearing about the lady who finally accepted the guy's marriage proposal after he asked for the third time. Uh, not, not my experience. Lilia, Lilia said yes first time. But we love those kind of happy ending stories. 
And so when things don't go according to plan in the Christian life, we struggle to know what to do. Sometimes in life, things take a turn for the worst. They don't improve. The ending we hope for is instead replaced by a bitter pain and the feeling of darkness. The marriage breaks down beyond repair. The hope of having a child ends in a miscarriage. Hopes of a meaningful career are dashed by the diagnosis of chronic fatigue. The desire to live a fruitful life reaching others for Christ is brought to a halt by severe social anxiety. What do we do when these things that we long for evade us? When the happy ending is just not our reality? This morning we're in in Psalm 88 uh, and people say out of all the 150 psalms, this is the most depressing one. Uh, And after hearing it read, I'm not sure that we can disagree. Apart from the first line, there is very little in the psalm that is positive. It's a psalm that doesn't offer us a happy ending. It begins and ends in complete and utter darkness. And because of that, it's a psalm that's easy to ignore or avoid. But it's a psalm that is very much necessary. Necessary because it speaks of some people's Christian experience. Necessary because it helps us to stay faithful in the face of unending darkness. Psalm 88 is a psalm of lament. To lament is to express a sense of loss or grief or sorrow as a result of a particular situation. Now there are a number of lament psalms in the Bible and typically they have a few elements that tend to characterise them. But Psalm 88 is quite different to the others. The psalmist doesn't declare that he will trust in God's unfailing love like other psalms do. There's no shift in this psalm from, uh, to rejoicing or to praising God. Instead, we find a person whose suffering will not end. A person who's felt helpless and abandoned for many, many years. Where other psalms of lament offer hope, the negative outlook of Psalm 88 does not change. This isn't just a rough patch that will pass. Uh, And I mentioned that it's a psalm that may be necessary for us to hear. Uh, And the reason is because it speaks to the type of experience that some people in our church may be enduring. The sort of thing that our friends or family may be struggling with. The type of experience that some of us here today will face in the future. Suffering that will not end in this life. A psalm like this is very much necessary because it reminds us that this is the reality of what life can be like. So let's uh, take a closer look at the psalm. We'll we'll have a look at it in three sections. uh, Verses 1 to 5, then verses 6 to 12, and then finally verses 13 to 18. Uh, And we'll think about three lessons which Psalm 88 teaches us uh, that we need to hear. So the first section begins with the psalmist declaring this truth. Lord, you are the God who saves me. And this is literally the only positive line in the psalm. But it's a a very important line. Because it tells us that these are the words of a Christian. Not the words of someone complaining about a God who they know nothing about. 
These are the words of a man who knows what God has done for him. He knows that he has been saved by God. And so everything that follows is written in the the context of this relationship with God. Verses one to five, in verses 1 to 5, it becomes clear that the psalmist is in distress. Look at some of the language that he uses. It's strange language because it's a song. These aren't the words that you'd use if someone asked you how you're going after the service. But we can tell that the psalmist, he's overwhelmed. He's on the brink of death. He's without strength. He feels like he's set apart among the dead cut off from God's care. He doesn't tell us the specifics of what's wrong. In fact, we know very little of the context of the psalm, apart from the fact that it's written by this this guy named Haman, the Ezrahite. Some people have suggested that he has some sort of lifelong sickness or chronic illness or life-threatening situation. It seems like a, a combination of things are afflicting him. What we do know for sure is the impact that it has on him. It's had a paralyzing effect on him. He's in deep, deep distress to the point where he feels that death is very close. Saved by God and yet feeling cut off from him. Uh, And perhaps that's something that you've felt before. Knowing that your future in heaven is secure with God but feeling utterly abandoned by him in life, in this life. That's the contrast that we see in these first five verses. Well, as we continue in verses 6 to 12, things take a bit of an unexpected turn. In Psalms of Lament, there are often accusation against the enemies of God's people. But here, the accusations are against God himself. Notice how he says you in verses 6 to 8. You, God, have put me here. It's your wrath that's weighing down on me. You're the one who's overwhelmed me. You're the one who's taken away my closest friends. The psalmist holds God responsible for all that has happened. He doesn't blame his upbringing. He doesn't blame society. He's not blaming his circumstances or other people. God is the one who he holds responsible. Uh, And that can make us feel a little bit uneasy, can't it? Should anyone be speaking to God like this? In a world tainted by sin, is it right to blame God? It seems a little bit arrogant, doesn't it? It makes me feel as though I need to defend God in some way. Well, let's just sit with that tension for a while as we continue. We feel more of the burden that the psalmist is carrying. It's it's inescapable. It seems that death is the only way out. The questions he asks in verses 10 to 12 again reveal that he feels that death is very close. It's knocking at the door. His life is miserable. Uh, In this last section in verses 13 to 18, we get to the heart of the psalmist's accusation. Despite his continuous cries for help, God has not answered. And it's not just one or two cries. Verse 15, this suffering has been going on for years, since he was young. In verse 18, we see for the second time 
that his friends have been taken away from him. Often when people are facing intense suffering, uh, it's, it's all-consuming. It's like a completely different phase of life. And because of that, people can get isolated. It can be hard for others to understand what we're going through. And friends start to drift further and further away. It's a very sad image, isn't it? It's heartbreaking. Friends disappearing, probably at the time that he needs them the most. Friends replaced by darkness. And once again, it's God who he holds responsible. Verse 14 is is the last thing that any Christian would ever want to experience. Why do you reject me and hide your face from me? Crying out to God, begging for intervention, and yet being met with silence. It's no wonder the psalmist feels like he's drowning. And this isn't what we expect of God, is it? We're often told that when we come to God in repentance and faith, he will deliver us. Uh, And we know that's true in, in many ways. He is the God who saves us, the God who gives us eternal life. But why doesn't he answer my cries in this life? Why doesn't God intervene in my life like he has in other people's lives? Why, has he taken, why hasn't he taken away the feelings of agonising grief that I, I just can't shake? Why am I still sick? Why is my depression getting worse? Why are our cries met with silence? What do we do if we're in a situation like this? What do we do with a psalm like this? Well, whether or not you're experiencing this kind of hardship, uh, this psalm teaches us three valuable things, valuable lessons that we need to hear. Uh, The first lesson that we learn from the psalmist is the importance of recognising God's sovereignty and appealing to it. Now, what do I mean by that? Simply that God rules over everyone and everything. Sometimes he lets things take their course. He doesn't always intervene as we want. And God's sovereignty can be hard for us to grasp when we're suffering. But the psalmist recognises that God is sovereign, that he rules over all. It's quite striking that despite the tone of the psalm, not once does the psalmist actually question God's sovereignty. Rather, he appeals to him again and again. Verse 1, day and night I cry out to you. Verse 2, may my prayer come before you, turn your ear to my cry. Verse 9, I call to you, Lord, every day I spread out my hands to you. Verse 13, but I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. This is a picture of a, a person who's completely helpless, crying out to God, asking for him to intervene. As the day begins, as the day ends, he cries out. He doesn't stop. Even through a lifetime of torment and suffering, he brings his agony to God. Even though darkness is his only friend. Now, verse 1 reminds us that the psalmist knows his eternal future is sure. But it's still right for him to call out to God in this life. 
to appeal to the one who is able to help. That is how you live faithfully when darkness is your only friend. We're reminded of Jesus' own words in the lead up to his crucifixion in Matthew's Gospel. When he was praying to God, he said, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Uh, And he prays a similar thing a few verses later. Even on the cross, Jesus calls out to God, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now in both uh, these verses, Jesus is praying psalms. He's praying to the one who is sovereign. He doesn't just remain silent and get on with things. He doesn't pretend like nothing's wrong. He doesn't just say, she'll be right and move on. He acknowledges that God is in control, even in the bleakest of circumstances. Psalm 88 doesn't encourage us to retreat or deny God's sovereignty. It calls us to appeal to it. An invitation to pray these words along with the psalmist. Earlier I mentioned the tension of the psalm. Knowing that we're saved by God, that our future in heaven is secure, but feeling abandoned by God in this life. How do we deal with that tension? A tension that we we may well be feeling now. We pray along with the psalmist. God has given us these words to help us cry out to him, to help us to remain faithful when we face ongoing suffering. We can cry out to God, and we need to cry out to God. Now, the second thing that the psalm is teaching us is that there's a real possibility that some suffering in this life will not end, it will not subside. And this is probably one of the hardest lessons for us to hear but it's something that we need to hear. Like the psalmist, the possibility of unrelenting suffering in this life is very real. There's a possibility that darkness may be with us all the way through. And so we need to acknowledge that it is a possibility in our lives and in the lives of others. Don't assume that suffering will come to an end in this life. Uh, And I think we need to be particularly careful as Christians when we see others going through these types of unrelenting trials. We need to be careful not to make well-intentioned claims about how God may or may not choose to act. The psalm is here as an example to us of a faithful believer in a time of struggle, who at this stage seems destined to continue in that struggle. To claim that God will certainly heal someone in this life is to make a claim that goes beyond the psalm and beyond scripture. It goes beyond what people experience in the Christian life. It can be such a a damaging thing to do, regardless of how well-intentioned it may be. God may choose to intervene, uh, and certainly the prayer of the psalmist is one pleading for intervention. There's also the possibility of God's continued silence. Psalm 88 is here to remind us of the reality of what life is like for some people. It teaches us this uncomfortable yet necessary lesson. Sometimes the struggles we face in life will not pass. The third and final lesson from the psalm is is one that I hope you've felt as we've gone through. Psalm 88 shows us that if we're going through this kind of suffering, we're not alone. We may have felt alone, but Psalm 88 is proof that at least one Christian has gone through 
unending suffering. Uh, And it shows us that this experience of the Christian life is not to be dismissed. It shows us that it's okay to pray as the psalmist did. It's not an ungodly response. God gives us these words to say to him. It also gives us great insight as to what others might be going through. How can you remain connected with people who are facing unending suffering? We've seen how easy it is to become isolated. Psalm 88 provides an opportunity for us to care for those who are in the midst of this darkness, for those who feel like they can't go on anymore. So that's Psalm 88. In the midst of darkness, appeal to God's sovereignty. Pray the prayer of the psalmist. Recognize that suffering may not end in this life, and remember that you're not alone. Let's pray now. Father, we thank you that you are the God who has saved us, that our future is secure because of what you've done, uh, something that we're going to recognise soon as we share communion. But we recognise that this life can can weigh very heavily on us. Lord, thanks for giving us these words that shed light on what some people experience and feel. Please help us to keep turning to you as the psalmist did to love and care for those who are in the midst of darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.